again, and welcome to another episode of The Edge. I'm your host, Scott Logan, and last week, we returned from our holiday break to kick things off in Chapter 5 of Ephesians, and we only covered two verses. We talked about what it meant to be imitators of God, and even though we only covered two verses, I believe that that topic could take us a long time if we wanted to continue talking about just verses one and two. But this week, we are going to continue on into verses three to five, so let's get right into it today. Ephesians chapter five, verses three to five says, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. In verse 3, Paul says, But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. So in Paul's day, he was still dealing with the same stuff that we deal with now. I can tell you that as someone who has served in various forms of church leadership, I know the heartbreak when you hear of yet another person in your church that's dealing with sexual sin, be it in their relationships or in the privacy of their alone time with what they look at. It's rampant and it's everywhere. And in 2017, it's almost inescapable. It's almost impossible to go to the movies, watch TV, read a magazine, and especially use the internet without running into something that's trying to draw you into indulging a sexual appetite. Commercials, movie trailers, perfume and cologne ads in a magazine. Everything aims to tickle your fancy with sex appeal, and so much so that there's... There's stuff that we see every day that we've just excused as, no, that's not that bad because there is even so much worse available beyond that. But the fact is, over 50 years, the line of what is acceptable continues to get pushed farther and farther. So if you're someone who has proclivities to view sexual appealing material, it's so difficult to avoid it. If you're someone who has an honest battle with addiction to porn and you're trying to stay away from external stumbling blocks, then you might as well move to an empty cabin in the woods with no electricity because in our society, there's no way to completely avoid it. You could be watching the most wholesome show on TV and then pops up a sexy commercial. You could go to a movie that you know doesn't have sexual themes, but the movie trailers before the movie do. You could go to animated movies, but you still have to pass by the movie posters on the way. Where I used to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there was a lingerie ad up on a billboard that used to cause so many cars to squeal their brakes at the last second. And don't get me started with the internet. There's definitely no escaping it there. It's not even that you might stumble into sex. Sex will find you. 
So even though we have so much media exposure to sexual immorality nowadays, it doesn't take away from the fact that people are still people and still had struggles with it just as much in Paul's day. So Paul would get wind of different struggles within the church, such as sexual impurity. It was culturally acceptable for men to have mistresses or to frequently visit prostitution houses. Just like today, casual sex was an acceptable practice And just like our secular culture today, it wasn't considered immoral. It was considered natural to want to sleep around. Paul says the word impurity in my Holman Christian Standard Version Bible. In some translations, it says uncleanness. The original Greek word is a word called akatharsia. It's used 11 times in the New Testament. Now, the first time it was used by Jesus to speak of the vile, rotten stench that occurs when a body decays and is filled with maggots. That's how Jesus used it. Now, it's used 11 times. The first time it was used by Jesus to speak of the rottenness of the filth and decay of a body in the tomb. The next 10 times it's used, it's connected with sexual evil. It means the vile, rotten stench that goes with sexual sin. It refers to immoral acts, thoughts, passions, ideas, all the way on to orgies, the whole gamut. It's not love. Now, there are some who are sexually active outside of marriage who would, in all of their best intentions, say, but we're in love. Nope, love doesn't do that. Which kind of brings us to the world's definition of love versus God's. God is love, and as we talked about last week, we are called to be imitators of God. God's love is the love that we're supposed to be expressing, which is self-sacrificing and forgiving. Of course, Satan would take that and try to pervert love so that the world's love would be selfish, self-centered, and unforgiving. The world's love is conditioned on what it can gain and not what it can give. So when the world says love, it's saying self-pleasure, desire, and lust. Sometimes the world's love will work at higher levels of generosity, but as a whole, it's grounded in self rather than others. So when someone is trying to justify a sexually sinful relationship by saying, but we're in love, The answer is nope. In God's eyes, what you are calling love is the word that Jesus himself used to speak of the rotten filth and decay of a body full of maggots. Moving on. Now, not only does Paul say impurity, but also greed. In some translations, it says covetousness. That is a Greek word called pleonexia. And it's speaking of greed in a sexual connotation in this passage. It's talking about things like desiring and lusting after someone else's wife or husband. It's speaking of what happens when people aren't satisfied with what they have and always want someone else to fulfill a fantasy. But that fantasy is a lie. Pleonexia literally means to defraud. It's a hoax. It's to go after somebody to defraud them. There are people that really struggle with this. Men go after women, women go after men, and they become obsessed with the love of possessing. 
The sin of coveting will destroy a life just as much as anything because people will let it destroy their marriages, their children, their friendships, their jobs, etc., etc. And they will do it because they just have to have that thing that will fulfill the fantasy. And that is the hoax, a well-crafted lie from Satan. Okay, verse 4. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Before we took the holiday break, we talked about using coarse language as it refers to swearing. This is a little different because Paul is still on the subject of sexual immorality. Paul brings it to the next step, not just in what we do, but even in what we simply say. This is where a lot of us who may have thought that we weren't in trouble yet may find ourselves a little convicted. Where Paul says the word coarse, in some translations, it's the word filthiness. The Greek word is a word I can't pronounce, but it means general obscenity. The literal root is that which is disgraceful, and it has to do with words. In verse 12, later on, it says, For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. That's the idea. We shouldn't even be talking sexually impure things. And again, really hard not to hear that stuff in our society, isn't it? There are many Christian and non-Christian alike who indulge in filthy conversations, but that is unbecoming of those who are supposed to reflect God's holiness. Now, Paul says foolish talking or crude joking, and he is still continuing the thought as it concerns sexual sin. We're not saying foolish talking like Christians aren't allowed to be innocently silly sometimes. The Greek word used for foolish talking in this passage is morologia. The moro is where we actually get the word moron from. It means stupid talk, the kind of talk you would hear from someone who is intellectually deficient. Think of it like lowbrow obscenity. You know those people. It's the sinful talk of the guttermouth drunk or the low class who just let crude, blatant sexual obscenity and foul language flow like a river out of their mouth. These are the people on the job that you work with who every time they see a pretty girl go by, they just have to say something really crude about the way they think about her. Then Paul says, crude joking. Now, this is a Greek word called eutropelia, and it means high obscenity. It means able to turn easily. Basically, it's speaking of that person who can take anything and turn it easily into a dirty joke or innuendo. This person has a less blatant approach as the moron um, as they use their cleverness to unveil their dirty wit. Either way, both suffer from a guttural, sinful nature and have a potty brain. Whether subtle or not, this behavior and language is not fitting for Christians who are supposed to be leading lives of holiness, both in deed and in speech. After we finish Ephesians, we'll be heading to James, and one of the first things we'll be discussing is the Christian's call to holy conversations. Verse 5. 
For know and recognize this, no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Paul just drives home the point that someone who is guilty of non-Christian practices shouldn't be living with expectations of an eternal life in heaven. The things that they are doing are exhibiting an unregenerated heart. The sad part is that so much of this stuff is floating around in Christianity today. Really, what we have in certain circumstances is a counterfeit Christianity. People have their emotional come-to-Jesus moments, but then that's not accompanied by any real repentance of sin. There's no real conversion in their life and no regeneration by the Holy Spirit. Of course, in our generation, we're so inundated with westernized, self-centered spirituality that some people think that they are Christians but feel no impulse to give up sinful practices or to fight against them. They may attend church, maybe have been baptized before, and they are just as lost as they were before claiming to be a Christian. The evidence that that's not the case would be the pull from the Holy Spirit inside of them to move away from sinful things and to live self-sacrificing lives grounded in God's commands and His call to be set apart from the world. To love the way that God instructs us to love, to be imitators of God all day and all night. Guys, as we continue to move forward in our Christian walks together, let's strive to not let any of these sexually immoral actions or words even be heard of among us, like Paul said. Let's strive to live in the true love that is God's and let the Holy Spirit be the compass that guides our direction. That's going to be it for this week. We'll continue on in chapter five next week. But while you wait, make sure to check out the official website of The Edge, theedgepodcast.com. All of my social media links are in the top right corner of the homepage. Follow me on Twitter at edgepodcast1 and make sure to give the Facebook page some love. This has been The Edge. I'm your host, Scott Logan, and we will talk again next week. Until then, live on The Edge.